and welcome to episode three of The Art of Bridging, a podcast from the Distant Voices Project. Thanks for joining us on our journey through some of what we've made and learned in and around the Scottish criminal justice system over the last five years. My name is Lucy Cathcart Froden, and I can't wait to share today's music and voices with you. But just before we dive in, I should mention that there will be some sweary words in today's episode, and I need to warn you that some of them are so catchy and melodious that you might even end up singing along. So, the podcast, as you know, is called The Art of Bridging. In episode one, the currents we thought about coming home from prison as being a bit like crossing a fast-flowing river, full of potential risks. In episode two, The Stepping Stones, we thought about how people in prison resist the harm that prison can cause, and lay stepping stones for themselves and others through small acts of protest or care. This episode is called The Foundations, and this is where we start to think more about what we need to do as a society to build strong and lasting bridges that support safe and healthy re-entry after prison. So, in the Distant Voices Project, we built strong links with partners in Inverness, and we did some work together around the theme of recovery. So today we are delighted to welcome Sharon, Colleen and Oliver, who are all part of the community around Distant Voices and who were involved in the recovery project in Inverness. Welcome, guys. Morning. Hello. Hi. We're going to kick off with the question that we so often use in Vox Sessions. Tell us about a song that you're enjoying listening to at the moment. Okay, I actually had an album on that I bought recently last night and it was, I don't know if people are familiar with Lily Kershaw, her Arcadia album. And there's one particular track called Soft Dark Nothing. Good night, goodbye, good luck, don't cry. I heard this song playing somewhere one day and I googled it because it hit a chord with me. She's got such a um, a haunting voice. For me, it stirred quite an emotional response to me as soon as I heard it because it was about loss, it was about love, it was about replaying memories of time shared with people. It's about also kind of recovering from that. Mm. It's about people's journey and how do we recover from something that's had quite a traumatic or had a big impact on us. Great. Okay, Oliver, have you got a gin that you've been enjoying recently? This this kind of part of the year when it starts to get dark and when um, deadlines are piling up and all of that, the thing that keeps me going is hip hop. So I've been listening back to some uh, Galician hip hop. So Galicia is the, the, the place in Spain where I come from. Um, and there are a few, there's an emerging hip hop scene. Um, so the band I'm listening to is called Dios que te crio. Amazing. And is there a particular track from them that you are into? Yeah, the, the one I've been listening on repeat is called Plus Ultra. They are worth a listen. They're critical and um, but also upbeat, positive and all about bringing about social change. Amazing. A bit of uh, energy in the winter darkness. Colleen, how about you? Uh, so a song that's also a bit about a journey and uh, got a bit of energy to it is It's the End of the Week. And so quite often on my Friday playlist, uh, there's Friday I'm in Love from The Cure. Ah, uh, classic. Classic. 
you know, and it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is. It's a, a song that when you hear it play, it kind of feels playful and carefree and, and uh, you've kind of got somewhere, you know. That's a really nice Friday ritual to have to go to that tune. Just to set the scene for the next song, we're going to listen to a song in a minute together. But maybe Colleen or Sharon, you could tell us briefly about the project that Distant Voices and the Highland Alcohol and Drug Partnership worked on together. Yeah, um, yeah, it was about yeah, kind of letting some of these songs loose in the public and prompt conversations around that complexity of the recovery journey and links to reintegration. And so we started with a small enthusiastic group of us to inform and shape the project along the way. So it was a group of with local connections in Highlands and here at Vox and um, who had lived experience around music and public dialogue and recovery work. So just a big shout out to that small group who came along on the journey too. And the project kicked off with releasing an EP of songs, Oblivion and Beyond, coordinated by the amazing Donna Machacha. And each of those five songs was co-written with musicians, with people with personal or professional experience of drug use and, and recovery. And over one week, we then took those songs and a few more in, in live performances and public gigs in Inverness, Thurso, HMP Inverness, and held workshops with practitioners from health and criminal justice and, and social work and others. And so sharing those songs in public spaces was an opportunity to like spark conversations and contribute to changing that culture. So we recognise recognize drug and alcohol harm as issues of public health and inclusion that affects and is affected by all of us. And then, as we often do in Vox, we kind of created more. Um, so there were new songs that we wrote in two Vox sessions, one of them in HMP and Vanessa, which had a mixture of people in prison and people from community coming um, into prison, and also with um, others in the community in a, in a community Vox session. So there were four cracking songs written there. And one of them is Little Foxes, which is on, on Looking at Colours again. Always looking down. I was always looking down. Don't turn your back on, don't turn your back on, don't turn your back on them. A gang of little foxes. The reason that we wanted to support the project in Highland was because we wanted an opportunity to link recovery and make conversations happen in communities. As an ADP, it's all about trying to reduce some of that stigma for us. And wherever you go, people still have, you know, the idea that we can't talk about drug and alcohol. By doing that, you're kind of stigmatising people. You know, it should be a conversation that everybody can have. By not having that conversation, we're almost putting barriers up to people actually seeking the help and the support and the access to treatment that they need. So we wanted to link in with communities to try and talk about drug and alcohol harm, talk about recovery that people do go on to recover, um, and that we should all play a part in trying to change the language and trying to reduce stigma. 
We'll come back and hear a bit more about that project. But for now, I think it's time for us to listen to a tune. And it's a song that's become a big favourite among lots of people involved in the project. It's an instant earworm. And just to warn any listeners who are sensitive to swear words, it does feature the F word fairly prominently. We are delighted to have Gus Bear with us, and he's co-written two of the songs we're featuring today. The first with Donna Machocha, and the second with Ross Clark. So here's Gus Bear to tell us a bit more about this first track. Fuck it, Button. Well, the name came on the second day, but Fuck It Button. I did it with Donna in the prison in Inverness. And I was really quite early in my recovery. So it was quite a surreal place to be, you know, in a treatment centre, you know, being inside a prison, but not being an inmate. It was quite an intimidating environment and stuff, you know, but the song itself, the Fuck It Button, I think anybody that's had issues around drugs and alcohol knows what it's like to press that button. Just the same as normal people do, you know, they just go, fuck it. And it's as easy as that. But for me, I was so broken. I'd been drinking, drugging for decades, you know, and I'd reached that point of total self-destruction, you know, waking up every day wanting not to wake up, you know, and just then starting that continual battle to try and find what I needed to get through the day to take away the edge of how I was feeling and to hide me away from all my emotions and feelings, you know. Trying to keep that hard mask on, that exterior, so everybody thinks everything's just rosy, but inside, you know, you're just dying slowly, but there's nothing you can do to stop it. I talk a little bit during the song, you know, about the places that it took me to, you know, in the end with the bottle and, and whatever else, and the mask that you would put on to hide from who you are. All I ever knew was oh, I'd just press that button and just kept destroying everything, you know, and I was lucky, managed to get into recovery, I managed to take off those masks that I hid behind for all my life. But you never 
talking about songs to light up the winter darkness Oliver that's definitely one yeah I think this is one of the songs I've listened to the most and every time it gets another layer of meaning Mm. what was jumping out at you today well I was thinking today I was thinking about how this song is is like a conversation right it's a conversation with yourself but it's also a conversation with others Mm. and for me that's really important because it takes these issues of recovery um, uh, into that space where we move from the individual to the collective and to me that's that's crucial on these issues we need to mm. start to, to take a community perspective on these issues take collective responsibility for these issues mm. um you know and so so today i was thinking about that and it's the first time i connected that song to that theme of the individual to the collective mm. the thing that jumped out for me today was uh that line no heart no cry no emotion i feel like that's been a thread that's come through in all of the podcast conversations that we've had about that need to just numb the emotions because it's too it's too much do you know what always jumps out at me and it, it kind of comes back to that uh, the line about people still walking around with masks attached and for me that it kind of speaks volumes about people not really knowing or being able to have their own identity so for many that have been using substances they'll be putting on this mask to the outside world they won't be kind of connecting or letting people see who they really are Mm. but there's also about a little bit about do they actually have they had enough time to actually realize who they are because for a lot of people that we work with until they stop using substances they have to recreate their identity they've almost taken on board the identity that's been given to them the labels that have been given to them so there's something there about kind of having to re-establish a new identity and putting yourself vulnerably out there mm. to actually be able to achieve that. Um, there's something else about that kind of almost living on the edge of recovery, you know. It can go either way, that 
vulnerability mm. about you have that moment when you're feeling slightly kind of less confident, a bit more vulnerable than quite easily. Like you say, you could hit that button and you could go either way. Mm. So there's something there about the uncertainty of recovery and it being a, like a day by day kind of awareness that you have to carry around with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that comes through really strongly. In it. And that actually made me think of a song that was written earlier in the project I wrote with Joe Syme. And that was a really uh, interesting process where we wrote a song responding to one of the earlier songs from the project. And that was kind of on a recovery theme. And the phrase came out, full-time job, which became the, the title of that tune. And um, that was something that she was reflecting on, like it is a full-time job, no matter how far on you are in your recovery journey, it can still feel like a full-time job. Yeah. You can't become complacent, I think, is the kind of common thing that people say you can't mm. get complacent about it. One of the practitioners wrote, recovery is not programmed in offices behind desks. And the idea that the identity of who's behind that mask is given by others, it's relied on by others of whether they see you as a father, as a worker, a musician or as an addict, an identity is given by other people. And I think that the language is really important that we use around recovery. So the mask thing jumps out to me as well. We talked about in the workshop the metaphors that are used. So if recovery is a bit like living with a button, they're ready to push. What other metaphors do we use, whether helpful or not helpful in, in recovery around language? Um, for example, falling off the wagon. You know, the idea that someone falling off the wagon, you, you kind of wonder, where's that wagon going? And it, was it the individual that fell off? Did they jump off? It has a lot to do with the kind of the stigma, but I think people underestimate perhaps, yeah, that, that we're involved in forming those labels and the language and the identity that we offer to other people. I wonder if I could add just a little bit, because that kind of sparked a thought, which is that this is a line that is very prominent, which is that, that line, freedom from want, right? Which to me, you know, it can be interpreted in a very literal sense uh, in the context of recovery. But it also connects to another of the key themes in the Distant Voices project, which is this notion of being careful about how we understand reintegration and, and this assumption, you know, that people are being reintegrated when perhaps they never stood a chance of being integrated in the first place in a society that is, in a society that is highly unequal. We know that the UK is, is one of the most unequal countries in the world. We cannot escape that, that reality. And, and that means that, you know, we have a set of conditions for everyday life that create all kinds of, all kinds of undesirable circumstances and contexts and relationships and dynamics. And, and to me, that freedom from want is, is again getting to that point of the source, you know, and, and how do we move towards prevention uh, rather than this addiction to reaction that characterizes the way we do uh, a lot of things in our society. And I think that kind of ties in with the bridging metaphor as well, because we talk about doing preventative work upstream, you know, like before people are falling into the river, we need to be looking at the causes of how people get there in the first place. I wonder if each of you could share maybe a little moment or a memory from the, the project. A lot happened in this recovery focused project. There were public gigs, there was a prison gig, there were workshops for people that work in criminal justice and recovery. So I wonder if you could each tell us a little story of a, an event or a moment that stood out to you from that project. From my perspective, um, there was only a couple of the, the gigs that I went to. One was based in a, obviously a licensed premises setting. 
And the second one was based in a hall for people in recovery and for family members. And the one that touched me the most was probably the second one because we had a recovery choir at the time in Highland that were meeting every week, but we broadened the invitation to anybody that we'd worked with in the past, family members. So people who lived and living experience came along to that. And there were some fabulous songs shared that night, one of which was one that I'd actually done myself, but several of the songwriters were in the room and the feeling you could have heard a pin drop in that room. There was this silence that fell there was people, I was looking around the room, there was tears in some people's eyes. I could see that people connected with the songs. For me, the conversations that happened afterwards, people coming up and saying to me, we hadn't really, although we've kind of, we've been family members or we've gone through recovery, we didn't realise the bigger impact maybe that hearing the songs can have. It was heartwarming because there was almost like a ripple effect from that one event that folk then went out and spoke to their kind of their loved ones and asked them to kind of share what that had been like for going going through that they had a more of a an understanding and a more of an, a compassionate response I think so it really did hit home that that more people then started to have those conversations more mm. people started to look at drug and alcohol problems and even including that with mental health as well as more of something that people could recover from. It's not, mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be a lifetime condition. It sounds like a really special evening. I think one of the things that we hope that this project has done is that songs can connect with people on so many different levels. You know, a line can jump out at you or a melody can get stuck in your head and it's kind of different from from a story just because of the sonic nature of it. And it does something to our bodies and to our emotions, I think, when we hear songs. One of the things that's come out as part of the project is just trying to trouble some of the kind of black and white distinctions that we make between people and, and when we come together and write songs quite often there's been experiences where somebody who's maybe a prison officer or somebody who works in the system in some sense is connecting with a different part of themselves and the person who is in prison or in recovery is also connecting with a different part of themselves and there's a sense of you can become more than one identity through that creative process and we certainly had the experience of writing with people who you would kind of think of as like part of the system but who also had been affected by addiction and recovery and had kind of complex relationships to those themes so that that was a real sense that people could connect through the creative process because you kind of you almost approach it with a with a different pair of glasses on Oliver or Colleen would you like to tell us a little share a little moment for us one one that sticks in my mind is that we took these songs probably for the first time to spaces which people didn't expect to hear them I guess and so we're in a licensed premises in, in Thurso and I remember Donna kind of just holding the room and maybe about a third of people were listening and a third of people were half listening and a third were quite attentive and one of these attentive people was a young guy who was clearly on his way to the bathroom (laughs) but couldn't leave the room so every time he was about like another song came to an end and then Donna would start off again and he was like oh no this sounds good I'll, I'll stay in so for about three songs he kind of stood in the doorway not being able to leave And we spoke afterwards and he just said it was powerful to hear voices and experiences that he'd not heard in the public in that way uh, before. And he he had his own story of of recovery and talked about what was really important to him, his his support worker that he found really important. He had reached out and formed a group on, on Facebook 
Um, and he'd clearly been through a lot, but he said just to hear songs that had reflected back to him, journey that he identified with and kind of had hope. And, and he commented that he thought it was going to be a, a heavy metal act and thought it might have been quite dreary, but it was anything but. So, yeah, I, I think it was that unexpected offering in a public space. There was another conversation with a guy who was there probably just to catch up with his mate, but they were very gracious to have a conversation afterwards. And he reflected that, I don't know any criminals, but I never really thought, never really thought they have to come back out and, uh, and what that must be like. And, and you could see he still had questions of like, yeah, I guess you kind of got to afford, you do actually have to help people, but, but can you afford to do that? You know, and you could, I think it was the, the kind of raw conversations of people thinking through an issue or, or thoughts that they hadn't done so before. It's really interesting because the, the, the moment I want to um, talk about is, is also uh, in one of the pubs. I can't remember, it was the one in Inverness, uh, Hutananis, I can't pronounce it. Is it, was that? That was perfect, yeah. Was it? Okay, <laughs> great. Proud moment for me. I always struggle with these things. And, uh, you know, as, as uh, Colin has described, it, there was a really interesting politics of space in these spaces, right? There was, there were usually around like three concentric circles. There was the inner circle, and those tended to be people who are connected to the project, people who have been involved perhaps in developing some of the songs, friends, family members, um, you know, just the kind of network that, that is close to the project. Then there was this medium level kind of space where there were people who might have heard about the project from others, but maybe are not so related. And then there was the outer circle, the third layer. And those were people who didn't know anything about the project and were discovering it. And of course, in the project, we are really interested in, in all of these conversations across all these circles, but uh, we are uh, particularly interested as well in that outer circle of people who often don't have this kind of conversations. And I remember I, I was the researcher kind of taking notes, observing, do, doing that kind of thing. And um, I ended up having a fairly long conversation with two men on the very back of the pub who were listening very carefully but who were also uh, wanting to push back. And they um, kind of expressed to me a very punitive attitudes towards um, uh, towards people and towards, uh, you know, a, a way of thinking about justice that has become so common in our society, right? A, a way that is just about the punitive attitudes and much less about compassion or about thinking that you know, this also relates to you and it relates to your community and you are part of a community where these things happen and as a member of that community, you have some responsibility of being part of these conversations, helping us to think about these issues. And by the end of the conversation, it's not as if we had necessarily moved uh, beyond where they were, but I think there was a sense of appreciation of the complexity of these issues and that there is something wrong when we create very simplistic narratives around justice, uh, because in the end, it can, and it does touch us all in one way or another. Um, so that always makes me think about this kind of society we've built with this politics of invisibility where we think we can just push things away and not have those difficult conversations on collective issues that need collective solutions. 
There was another space that really stayed with me, which was the practitioner workshop with social workers, with colleagues in, in, in different agencies. Um, and the thing that really stuck with me is how they kept saying that they really loved how creating a space around music to deal with these issues, to address these issues, uh, allowed them to you know, kind of bring their own humanity into these conversations. And that made me think about, okay, so what's going on with some of the systems we've created where people feel that they need to leave their humanity in other places? I know most, uh, you know, most people are, are like that. They want to bring that dimension with them. But it's true that there are barriers in the system and in certain ways of thinking about professional role that can get in the way. I think that's definitely true and something that we've experienced in the project. You know, we've got loads of people who are involved in the project who are working as part of the system, um, who, are, who are doing amazing things. But there is also the other end of the spectrum of people that, that do believe that the harms of prison are what people should be receiving and that and that help isn't something that people are entitled to. So that's also, I guess, an arena in which it's important to try and raise these questions. If I might just add to that, this is the problem we see across this entire community and, and this interface between communities and systems, is that notion that we are creating these flat profiles of people. Professionals are these, people who are in prison are that, officers are that, the public is this or that. These kind of very simplistic binaries. Uh, and again, that's precisely what we need to get. Uh, beyond um, and because you, we all have as, as Lucy said earlier uh, multiple overlapping identities and therefore multiple points of potential connection and empathy We're going to listen to another tune now and here's Gus Bear to tell us a bit more about it White Horses and I did this song with Ross it was a couple of years down the line from when I did the Fuck It Man and life was so different right I'd, I'd gone through my treatment I'd started to get a little bit of relief work and I was working a little bit you know in the treatment centre that I came out of and I'd got my own place you know I wasn't living in support accommodation and such life was good I'd stopped having thoughts about doing the old style of life you know I actually started to have a little bit of faith in me and actually enjoy life without having to use substances and being paranoid and then I met a lassie and I'm still with that lassie and uh, we've had a daughter and it's about about relationships and about the positiveness of relationships. And that little white bit on the top of a wave is where the name White Horses came from, you know, because, you know, you go through those choppy things in life, you know. But the thing is, if you keep going with it, it's amazing what can happen. If anybody gets the opportunity to do something like this, it's just, it's amazing because it, it's it's with you forever, you know. And, and I think everybody that, that was there, they, they all got something from it, you know. It was actually, we all sort of, collaborated and it was like like community type stuff you know it was just it was nice it was like real but but genuine real not people pretending to be or acting that they are something they're not it was just it was just really it was nice for me I was nowhere near that pressing the packet button anymore you know it was all about how things had moved on and how things had changed and but the changes were good you know there was ups and downs and there was hard bits but the majority of the time was really good, you know, and the thoughts of that old lifestyle had gone, you know, because I wasn't being drawn or called back to that type of life. And I think I was a bit more open and a bit more what was it, vulnerable. I think I actually showed a bit more of the inner me in that, whereas before, the fucking button is what it is, you know, it's like that's how dark it was and that's how horrible it was. And that was normal, you know, whereas White Horses is not like that. It's different. It's It's showing me that there's more to life than just 
what I used to think life was, you know, that, that barrier that I'd put on having a normal life because I didn't think it was possible to have a normal life. In the winter light Good night kiss Not another fix From you tonight I was wild Yellow and scared Was locked down Alone in another's care Stuck on the tracks, traveling fast, lost in a rush Found myself knee-deep in the stream of life I am free to be me now, that's all I can be Felt broken and numb, now I feel new love Down. 
wrote you a song No longer in fear When it's just us here Tattoos and diamond rings You're the wind behind these things I'm able to love again Hope never to feel numb again I've been on a treacherous road Now I'm willing to share the load Scared and frightened had to be chilled Finally deciphered there's always a way out Wow, what a different uh, place to go to that song is. I'm able to love again. Yeah, it's such a hopeful song. It's a real favourite of mine, actually. And, you know, and, and, and the image, like the smell of the pine, Christmas of the year, you rise and fall, and and the white horses, you know, the crest of the waves is, is the images that I get. And it just takes me to, like, you know, the wild kind of East Coast beaches. There's a real freedom, a kind of a letting go um open spaces that that song takes me to a little bit the one thing uh, because i can't help myself and i'm always thinking about the politics of these things before we get to that hopeful element of opening up and and transitioning uh, the the word that that sticks in my mind is fear you know being scared which is one of the lines there and how fear is such a powerful engine of um all kind of personal struggles, but it's also an engine of social division, of political division. And, you know, this is us all, as humanity. Um, fear has always been used in all kinds of uh, undecidable ways to to, to do all kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's a very old political strategy. We see it at play all the time. I mean, even just... Uh, just now in the UK, the way the UK is choosing to engage with issues around migration and, and the humanity of, of those tragedies that are happening around us. Um, and so I just wonder, you know, it's, it's, I suppose the, the challenge is how do we go from fear as an engine of division to fear as an engine of solidarity? You know, the fear that we might not be getting it right, the fear that we are losing people because of choices we make in the way we organize things, the fear of just not creating the kind of communities where life is worth living for everyone. It talks to me about the new beginnings, that, that kind of putting yourself out there and being vulnerable to start having those emotions with somebody again, to sharing that inner part of yourself. Because for so long, people will have kind of distanced themselves or disconnected part of themselves, maybe emotionally. And this talks about that kind of whole putting yourself back out there and investing in somebody and something in your future. That 
tattoos and diamond rings, you know, speaks about the past. The tattoo kind of element for me was talking about what the past is and the diamond ring being this brighter future. I always feel it's quite a sensory song, like Colleen said. I remember somebody in recovery saying to me the first time that they looked up and they'd gone down this road going to this particular address many, many times. And the first time they looked up in their recovery and noticed that this road was covered in cherry trees full of blossom had a massive impact on somebody. They became environmental in their kind of in the zone at the moment and seeing world going on around them in all this vividness and all this colour and all this sense. And they they said that was a moment in their recovery that they'll always remember. Thanks, Sharon. I think that's a really lovely note to land on. We've reached that time once again when we delve into the Distant Voices archive and pull out a track that's not been widely heard before. We're going to hear from a new team of guest listeners shortly, but first here's one of the co-writers, Gabby, to introduce the track. Hi, my name is Gabby Froden, and I co-wrote the song The Mountain Way with Martin in HMP, Castle Huntley. Here's what Martin had to say about the song. This is a song about my journey from joining the army as a young boy at 17 and a half and going through war many times. Then it talks of my battle with PTSD and the help I got from the mountain way. I have thoroughly enjoyed this and will be continuing songwriting for the rest of my life. Jim. Hi, I'm Rachel Morley. Yeah, hi, uh, my name's William. I just listened to the song uh, Mountain Way by Martin and Gabby. 
and I loved it. Took me right back to the early 90s. I used to know a bouncer that had served some time in the British Army in Belfast. And um, there ain't any Belfast beating, put them back in my mind. He once told me a story of he beat a guy up on a bus just because the guy had annoyed him. It's the only time he lost his rag there, but it's something that still affected him many years later. So, good thing about music, sometimes it takes you to a time and place, and that certainly transports me back to listening to David, who I've not thought on in about 30 years. I really liked this song. The songwriter speaks of always being followed by a shadow on this journey. Maybe the way the body keeps a score of the harm that's been done to it. But he seems to find a hard-won path on the mountain way to real silence and calm. Some soothing of his body like snow on sunburn. And he says his stark and simple line, I found my name again. I was wondering if that meant in that quiet he started to speak to himself, use his own name in a different way, with care or compassion perhaps, rather than haranguing himself with all sorts of other bad names. Or maybe it was because others on this journey spoke to him with real respect. He was a complete person to them, rather than a number. And this got me thinking about how important feelings of calm and peace and space can be and how hard they can be to find and how they can help us to relate to ourselves and each other differently, to call each other good names if you like, the names that remind us of the best of who we can be and bring us back to ourselves. Um, the song opened up, simple acoustic guitar, very catchy tune, uh, very beautifully played, and then you had a soft female voice doing the lyric. That threw me a wee bit because I was expecting it to be a male voice, but I think the softness of the female voice added to the reflective properties of the lyric. Um, it reduced its intensity and made it a bit more mellow, and, and it worked brilliantly. Uh... I love songs of freedom like that, and uh, so inspiring. Yeah, and we all have to find our mountain way. Uh, I've found mine, whether it's it's not a mountain, but it's uh, it's freedom from the past. The line which I liked was where it says, "Stood as a number with no name under black skies and broken shells." Standing as a number with no name is something that prisoners go through all the time, having been there myself. Um, it's a dehumanising thing, which is quite prevalent in the army, I would imagine. Um, and the broken shells, it's that whole idea of humanity being broken. Individuals seeing things that they shouldn't see, experiencing things they shouldn't experience, and coming back as broken people, the very essence of PTSD. Um, that's a line that's going to stick with me for quite a wee bit of time today and overall great song, great lyric, good tune, it'll be a bit of a new one for the rest of the day I think. I like the line about being followed by a shadow and uh, I've let go of that shadow, freedom from 25 years of heroin addiction and prison sentences and all that stuff and it's so uh, it's so great to to find the mountain way. Wonderful. As ever, there is so much more to say and so many more voices to hear from, but for today, we're out of time. I want to thank everyone who's spoken or sung for us. Sharon, Colleen, Oliver, Gus Bear, Donna, Ross, Gabby, William, Jim and Rachel. And to everyone out there who's listening. 
We're all part of the art of bridging, and the bridges we build need strong foundations in our communities to keep all of us safe and well. You might be wondering how Gus Bear is doing now, four years down the line from writing Fuck It Button. Well, he's working for the NHS, supporting others in recovery, and he's loving it. Let's give him the last word. I never ever thought that my life would become what it has, and all it was was a journey, wasn't it? You know, that that first step into that mental hospital, and then every step after that in the right direction led me to where I am today, you know? I mean, I still think about it sometimes, you know? What if, you know? Could I go and have a little bit of this or a bit of that? Would it only be once? And I think, am I insane? Do you know what I mean? Look what I've got to lose now, you know? Whereas before, I don't, I wouldn't have had what I have today. The trade-off nowadays, there isn't a trade-off because it would just, it, it would be like stepping in front of a, a moving car thinking you're not going to get hurt. You know, the consequences are just, it's not something that's in my life anymore. It's not part of who I am, it's who I was. Again.